All right. We good? Yes, awesome. Uh, it is truly an honor to be up here this morning to speak with you uh, and to share with you. Um, as Carlos said, I'm Irby. I work on campus with a ministry called Athletes in Action. So we do just sort of classic evangelism and discipleship ministry in the context of, of athletes and coaches at UGA. Many of you may know Thomas Settles, T-Set. He leads Fellowship of Christian Athletes. We work in partnership and call it Team United. And I've been doing that since I graduated from Georgia in 2008. But what many of you may not know or remember about me is that while I was in school at Georgia, I had the great privilege of playing for Georgia. So if you went to a home football game uh, in the years 2004 through 2007, you more than likely saw me playing between the hedges. And it was just one of the greatest privileges of my life to get to play uh, at Sanford Stadium every week. Got to play in some amazing games, some amazing stadiums. Uh, my senior year is probably the most memorable, 07. We went to Alabama, we beat, Tusk, uh, we beat Alabama in overtime, and I got to play in that game. Uh, yeah, come on, I love it. We beat Tim Tebow and the Gators that year down in Jacksonville. Uh, we finished four years of beating the Institute in Atlanta, and uh, it was just, just a joy. So I, I've got a picture, don't put it yet, but I'm about to show a picture. This is me, my very last game playing for Georgia. It's the Sugar Bowl, January 1st, 2008 against Hawaii, and this is me getting my last bit of playing time ever, so go ahead and put that up. <laughs> there it is, man. There it is. Um, I didn't come here to tell you that this morning. <laughs> go ahead and open up 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians 7, we're going to be uh, there this morning, and I need to set this up really well. Um, there's three things that we need to clear up before I even get into going through the text. So the first, this morning, we need to make really sure uh, that we are keeping in mind the whole teaching of Scripture this morning and not taking 1 Corinthians 7 in isolation. If we do that, we may walk away with a very low view of marriage, and that's not our goal this morning, okay? So uh, marriage is good. I need you to hear me say that right now. Marriage is a good thing. It was good when you walked in. It's going to be good while we're going through the text, and it'll be good when you leave here this morning. Marriage is good. We could do a whole sermon series on how good it is. I believe that marriage is God's plan for most people. Most people, I believe, uh, it's God's plan for them to get married. It's certainly not wrong or sinful to get married or have that desire. So that's the first thing. Keep that in mind this morning. Marriage is good. Secondly, I need to acknowledge that I know that everybody's situation of being single is not the same. There are many different reasons and situations of singleness. So there are some who have just never gotten married. Okay, that's me this morning. Um, there are some who are single because they have been through divorce. There are some who are single because of the death of a spouse. And so I just want to acknowledge that this morning as we talk about singleness. I know everyone's situation is not exactly the same and certainly not the same as mine. And there's different attitudes towards that. Some people are great with it. I, I feel like I'm the anomaly in the room. I'm, I've never been married, 36 years old, and I'm, I'm really I'm pretty content with that. Um, not everybody feels that way. 
Uh, for some, singleness is a source of pain. Unmet desires and longings, uh, hurt, trauma, all types of things. So I want to get that out right up front as well. So marriage is good. Everybody's situation is not the same in being single. And thirdly, as Paul writes 1 Corinthians 7, he writes it to a very specific group of people in a very specific time in history. And it is not real similar to our modern world as it pertains to marriage and dating. So uh, marriage and dating certainly don't work like they do here and now. And many of you may be thinking marriage and dating don't work anything like they did before social media came out if you're in the dating world right now. Uh, my parents got married in 1984 and I'm confident that my father never swiped right or slid into my mom's DMs. If you don't know what I'm talking about, ask someone young, they will clarify that for you. So uh, it was different. You didn't play the field. Marriages were arranged. Um, and then also in verse 26, Paul's going to mention something called a present uh, distress that's going on. So something's happening in their world that is shaping his advice to people uh, as they hear Paul's message. So all of these things make it nearly impossible for me to stand up here and address every single situation in the room this morning. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to bring out four principles from the text as it pertains to singleness. And I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will speak to you and to help you know what do I need to take from this and what do I need to start believing and applying in my life. And I'll say married people, don't check out on me this morning. I'm going to be speaking to you a good bit. I think there's a lot for you this morning, some of it that may pertain to your marriage a lot of it will help you be a good friend to the single friends in your life. Okay, so married people, stay with me this morning. All that, I'm going to pray, then we're going to get into it. So Lord, thanks for allowing us to be here this morning. I'm thankful for the opportunity. God, I'm thankful for the message that you've given in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And God, I just pray that it would be presented clearly this morning. God, would your spirit move? God, would someone in the room this morning, would they leave here encouraged to understand that you see them in their situation, that you love them in their situation, that there's contentment to be had and purpose that you have for their lives? Would you do that this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So, some context for our, our passage. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, I'm going to start just by reading verses 1 and 2. So Paul says, Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. So the Corinthians have written that to Paul, and Paul is now going to address that statement. He says in verse 2, But because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband now we're not really going to focus this morning too much on that part but I want to I want to read it and introduce it because it's important to understand how Paul gets into the topic of singleness and how this relates to a godly mindset towards singleness so I want to jump move with me to chapter 6 or uh, not chapter 6 verse 6 and read verse 6 through 9 Paul says this now as a concession not a command, and Paul's going to say that a lot this morning. He's saying, this isn't necessarily a command from the Lord, but Paul's saying, I'm giving you my advice. This is, this is what Paul would say. 
As a concession, not a command, I say this. I wish that all were as I myself am. But each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. And Paul, in this section, introduces uh, my first point this morning. I'm not like Carlos. They're not all going to start with the same letter and all that. But uh, hopefully you'll be able to remember them. So my first point is this. Singleness is not a problem that needs to be fixed. Singleness is not a problem that needs to be fixed. Just look through the the passage with me. Verse 7, Paul says it. I wish that all were as I am, meaning not married. Verse 8, it is good for them to remain single as I am. Then he says that singleness is a gift. In verse 20, he's going to say each one should remain in the condition in which he was called, meaning if you're single, stay single. In verse 26, it is good for a person to remain as he is, meaning if you're single, single. Verse 27, are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. I think you see that Paul's making a clear point here. There is something about being single that Paul clearly believes is a good thing. Now, I want to address married people and then single people first as we talk about this. Married people, I know how y'all do, right? Somebody's in their 20s and you have this great desire. I, I hope that they find a great husband or wife one day. And then that person gets into their 30s and you start thinking, man, when, when are they going to find a husband or a wife? And then they get in their late 30s, 40s, and beyond, and the question changes to something like this. Why aren't they married? What's the problem? What's wrong with this person that they would be this old and not married? And it's subtle, but the question reveals something in our heart that thinks that being single is a problem that needs to be fixed. And I'm going to share some ways. This is just me sharing my life. And you can laugh at these things. It's okay. There's some subtle ways that this gets communicated to me frequently. My favorite question, not really. Uh, are you dating anybody yet? Okay. Yet is the operative word there. Like yet. You should be. Right. There's an underlying thought there. The other thing is when people try to set me up with somebody before they've asked if I'm interested in it. Okay, I don't mind, I'm honored when people try to set me up, but I, I would just say on behalf of single people, please ask if we want to be set up first. Um, it, it, just, it, it shows that there's something there that people think singleness is a problem. Now listen, if you've got single people in your life, you know them. You know that they have a desire to be married. You know they're looking for a spouse. You know they're seeking to honor the Lord while they're single. And then again, when and if they get married, by all means, Please help them find people. Set them up with somebody. That's all good. But don't approach it as if they have a problem and your friend Joey or Susie is the solution to the problem that they have. When we communicate with singles as if it's a problem, what happens is unintentionally we're adding fuel to the fires of discontentment that are already there in so many people. Um, So I would just say uh, what what we're going to see as we go through the passage, there's great contentment for single people. And a great purpose that God has for their lives. And I think there's going to be things for you this morning that will help you in how to, how to love and encourage your single friends well. To both groups of people, I think we have a, a the grass is greener on the other side 
tendency, right? Single people, we often think, man, married people, they got it made. They're never lonely. They got somebody to do half the chores at the house and everything. I got to do everything by myself. Like, we think, we think they got it made. Married people, you think about us, man, we get to sleep in every day. Uh, we don't have to take care of kids. Like, it's just easy, right? And I just, it's not helpful for either one of us when we have those thoughts. Um, we are all part of the same body of Christ. And because of that, uh, there's something that God has, a special purpose for each of us to fulfill that we cannot fulfill without the other. And so uh, it's just more helpful for us to think of each other like that. Singles. I know that many of you in the room, you don't want to be single. You want to be married. And that's okay. It's a good desire. It's a godly desire. It's a normal desire to have. What I want you to take away from this morning is that being single is not a mark against you. You are not an incomplete person living an incomplete life because you do not have a spouse. Um, Paul would want us to fight the self-pity that often comes with being single. We'll talk more about that later in the text. In Matthew... Jesus has just finished preaching on marriage and divorce. And the disciples come up to him. And they, they don't even ask the question. They make a very clear statement. They say, well, Jesus, if that's true, then it's just better not to get married. And Jesus doesn't correct them. In fact, Jesus says, not everybody can receive this, but only those to whom it is given. So Jesus and Paul both talk about singleness as a gift. What, if you're single in the room, what I want you to consider this morning is this a gift that God is trying to give to me? Maybe not for the rest of my life, but maybe at least for a season of my life, God is trying to give me a gift in being single because he has a great purpose for my life that I may not be able to fulfill once I get married. Jesus was single. He had family, purpose, meaning, fulfillment, and he had an intimate relationship with the Father. And that takes us to the second point. Okay, so the first point, singleness is not a problem. The second point is this. Find contentment in your calling to Christ. Find contentment in your calling to Christ. Let's go to verse 17. Paul says, Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Were you a bondservant when called? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. For he who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freed man of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called is a bondservant of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become bondservants of men. So, brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. Okay, Paul says it three times. He says, whatever condition you were in, remain there. He says it three times in here. And when Paul is talking about being called in this part of the text, what he's talking about is this, this is the moment at which you entered into a relationship with Christ. The moment God called you to himself, that you repented of your sin, trusted him, 
got saved, were converted, became a Christian, however you want to say it, the moment that we began a relationship with Christ, that's what Paul means when he talks about calling here. And he gives two examples. One is about your religious background. One is about your social status. Now, both of these things are sandwiched between a long section before and after on marriage and singleness. So it's very clear Paul has marriage and singleness in mind as he talks about these two things. So let's start with circumcision. Paul's referring to your religious background, okay? If you know your Old Testament history, you know circumcision was a sign of belonging to the people of God, growing up under his rule, under his law, okay? But Paul is saying whether you've been circumcised, whether you grew up in church your whole life, or whether you didn't, whether your relationship with Christ is brand new, you don't know anything about church, he's saying it doesn't matter. What matters is your love for Christ, Now, where do I get the phrase love for Christ? Because that's not in the text. So look with me at verse 19. I want to make this real clear. Verse 19, Paul says, Neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but what counts is keeping the commandments of God. So why do I say love for Christ is what matters when Paul says keeping the commandments? And I say that because there's many places in Scripture where obedience and a love for God are directly related. In John chapter 14, Jesus tells the disciples, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Okay, so what matters is our love for God that will be expressed through our obedience. Religious background doesn't matter. It is our relationship with Christ as a result of him calling us to himself that matters. That's the first one. Bond, servant, or free. Paul says if you're a bond servant, then really you're a free man. Because ultimately, you don't belong to your earthly master. Ultimately, you belong to God who has called you to himself. So really, you're free. And if you're a free man, ultimately, you're a bondservant of Christ. Because Christ is the one to whom you belong. So whatever your situation is, what Paul is saying, what really matters is whom you belong to. And verse 24 is really the key. I love this. Look at verse 24. The very end of verse 24. In whatever condition each was called, there let him remain. These two words are so important. With God. There is one who has called you to himself. There is one who has saved you from your hopelessness of your sin. Who has given his life for you because he loves you. He's bought you at the cost of his own life. Single people, I know that one of the hardest parts about being being single is often fighting the loneliness that comes with it. Okay, trust me, I get that. But Paul's encouragement here is that because God has called you to himself, you are never alone. If you remain single for the rest of your life, you remain there with God. And if you get married, you remain there with God. Either way, the real source of life is not your circumstances, but the fact that you have been called to him and that you remain with him. A spouse is not going to be the answer to your loneliness and unsatisfaction in life. And hear this, if you think that it is, then perhaps it is God's mercy to you and your future spouse that for right now you are not yet married. Because a spouse will not 
be the answer to that. That is not why God created marriage to be the ultimate source of fulfillment for you. Married people, we need your help in this. What you can do for your single friends is to pray for us, to encourage us to find our contentment and our satisfaction in Jesus. Even as so many single people long for a spouse, as they search for a spouse, as they date, would you pray that our hearts would know and believe that God is good and that he is with us in the waiting. So that's point two. First two felt, felt a little bit heavy. Okay, so we're going to get point three is a little bit lighter than those two. So singleness is not a problem. Find your contentment in Christ. Number three, see the benefits of being single. See the benefits. We're going to pick up in verse 25. Paul says, now concerning the betrothed, which means unmarried in this context, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you've not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet... Those who marry will have worldly troubles. And I would spare you that. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none. Those who mourn as though they were not mourning. Those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing. Those who buy as though they had no goods. And those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. It's important to note again here, Paul is saying, I'm giving my advice, not giving you a command. But Paul sees some benefits here. One of them, verse 28, he says really clearly, married people are going to have some troubles. Okay? Now, I cannot speak from experience. However, that does not mean that I am wrong when I say that there is a lot of time and energy and effort that goes into caring for a spouse and for your children. And although these are great things, most people would say, I believe, that it's worth it most of the time. And your spouse and your children are gifts from the Lord. They undoubtedly will cause trouble at times. And they will cause interests to be divided. Okay. Paul also mentions here again in verse 26, a present distress. We don't know exactly what that is, but I think Paul's point here is this, that when difficult situations arise, they are amplified when you have more people that you are responsible for and more people to take care of and look after. Okay? So Paul is saying that, that there are some troubles that we're free from. And his goal, one of the benefits, another benefit, is that we would be able to have undivided attention to the things of the Lord. Right? Look at verse 33 and 34. 
The married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. His interests are divided. He says the same thing about the married woman. Okay. I want you to think about the hours of 5 to 9 p.m. on a weeknight for a married person with children. Okay. I had a friend recently call the dinner time, bedtime hours, the hour of the shadow of death. Those of us who are single and have not experienced this, we have at least witnessed it. And I can tell you that that is a very different time for me than it is for you if you have children and a spouse. It allows me to have undivided attention to the Lord. That time has to be about family. And hear me, that's a good thing, not a bad thing. It's a beautiful thing. To love your family well and take care of your children. But the reality is it keeps married people and parents from being able to give undivided attention to the things of the Lord. My goal is not to convince you that being single is easy. Not to convince you that it's way better than being married. It's not to take away a desire that you have to be married. I think the best way to summarize this point would be to say it this way. That God has put unmarried people in a unique position to focus on the things of the Lord. God has put unmarried people in a unique position to focus on the things of the Lord. So, my fourth point. Singleness is not a problem. Find your contentment in Christ. See the benefit. And fourthly, don't waste your singleness on yourself. Don't waste your singleness on yourself. This to me really gets at the heart of of what I think Paul is trying to communicate this morning and what I want you to hear. I see two extremes of how single people make life all about themselves. One is the single person who is really living in their freedom and their whole life is going to be about having a good time. I'm free, there's no chains on me, nothing's going to hold me back from doing what I want to do. Their whole life becomes about their entertainment and their pleasure because they're free. They build their entire lives around themselves. The other end of the spectrum is what I call the moper. This is someone who is so miserable being single and always on the hunt for a spouse that they cannot see the Lord's goodness towards them or the Lord's purposes for them in their life in this moment. And it's subtle, but it is just as self-centered as the previous one. Life becomes all about me. And I want to tell you, I want to plead with you, single people in the room, don't buy the lie. Don't buy it. It is not going to be fulfilling. It is not going to be worthwhile. Even when we're single, when we make life all about ourselves. Paul urges us in verse 29, he says the time is short. And this word for time he uses is the Greek word kairos. And what it means is there's a specific time right now, a moment in time, where conditions are right for the accomplishment of a crucial action. He says time is running out. Don't live your life attached to the world. Focus on the task at hand. Single people might might the time be right, right now, that God has something for you and you're missing it? 
because life is all about you. Don't miss it. He says, be anxious about the things of the Lord. Think about that. Many of us know what it's like to be anxious about something, to be so preoccupied with something. And Paul says, I don't want you to be anxious. He says, I want you to be free from anxieties in verse 32. And then in the very next sentence, he says, the unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. And this is probably a whole other sermon, but there's something there that to be free from anxiety, one of the keys to that is to be so wrapped up in caring about the things of God that that is what will bring freedom from anxiety in our lives when we are anxious about the things of the Lord. So I want to get kind of practical here as I close. What are those things? What are the things of the Lord? What are his purposes for our lives? And I'm, I'm just going to go kind of quick through some of these. But number one, it is God's purpose in your life that you live a life of holiness and sanctification. That you be concerned about your obedience to him. Not scared of punishment. We know Christ has forgiven us. But that you would care and be wrapped up in living a life that is pleasing to him. That loves his law, trusts his goodness, and is, is shown through our obedience. Another purpose of the Lord for all of us is evangelism. It is God's purpose for those of us who know Jesus to be telling people who don't know Jesus the good news. That's what God wants from us. If you don't know how to do that, talk to somebody in leadership here at Watkinsville, and we'll, we'll get you some resources and some training on how to do that. Another one of God's purposes for your life is discipleship. Are you being poured into by someone? And are you using your life to pour into somebody else? To be a wholehearted follower of Christ who then helps others become wholehearted followers of Christ who are going to go help others become wholehearted followers of Christ. Spiritual multiplication. Okay? Discipleship. Another one of the Lord's purposes is the church. Y'all, the local church is God's plan A for the world. Be involved, be plugged in, be committed to this body, this group of people. Serve, go on mission with the church. I want to challenge you to do a couple things. Uh, I want to challenge you to look at your finances and your calendar. Your finances and your calendar are going to show you where your heart really is. Give an honest, prayerful assessment about your finances. Ask God to show you where your heart is. And if your finances don't reflect a heart that is anxious about the things of the Lord, then make some changes. Okay? Some suggestions. Give more than 10% to the church. Support a missionary. I have created a generosity category in my budget. I love it. I have a certain amount of money set aside each month. I just use that to do things for other people. It's fun. But just... Make sure your finances are reflecting a heart that loves the Lord. Your calendar, same thing. Fill in at least one night a week where you're some way plugged in with something going on with the church. Small group, prayer group, whatever it is. Find a night a week where you're putting yourselves around those who don't know Jesus with the intention of building relationships with them to introduce them to our Savior. Go on a missions trip. Robbie just walked in, man. This wasn't planned. Robbie and his team have planned some trips. Single people. It is so much easier for us to get up and go than it is for someone who is married. 
Don't see that as an obligation. It is a gift. It is a gift from the Lord that you would be able to go with the church and to serve and fulfill his purposes in the world. Invite people into your home. I've been doing this a lot more the last couple of years. It's amazing to see the depth of spiritual conversation that happens when you invite someone into your house and you have unhurried time with them. Be anxious about the things of the Lord. I've said this one already, but serve in the church. I think about, I park on this side every week in the grass, and the same two guys are out there every week. It's Buzz and Alan. And they're always out there, and they're making sure we're not parking on top of the septic tank. Okay? And I'm grateful for that, because none of us want that stuff bubbling up in the ground when we're showing up each Sunday morning. It's important. Serve in the church. Be a part of security team, greeter, whatever. Single people, you want to bless your married friends? Do children's ministry. Give those parents an hour or two a week where they can just hand their kids off to somebody else to babysit them and tell them about Jesus. Uh, I've been working two years with the same group of, group of boys, second grade last year, third grade this year, and I'm just telling you, it is one of the most fun things I've ever done. You never know what's going to happen during third grade boys Sunday school. These three things have happened this year. Kid peed his pants. I got hit in the face with a dodgeball with my glasses on. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that had to be someone that age too. I love it. I absolutely love it. And one kid comes in with his mom and says, hey, Pray to receive Christ this week. I want to talk about getting baptized. Yeah. Serve in the children's ministry. It is a gift. It is a blessing. It really doesn't matter what your marital status is. God has called you to serve him with your life. But single people, I think God has put us in a unique situation to be able to do that. And my prayer this morning is that you would not build your life around yourself but that you would see it as a gift that you can give undivided attention to pleasing the Lord if it's just for a season just for a season if it's for the rest of your life you'll do that with God and you will not regret it one single bit let's pray Father thank you for the opportunity this morning we Lord you you have a purpose in this world and you invite us to be a part of it and so whether we're married or single lord it really makes no difference uh that part of things i gotta pray for those who are in the room this morning and they're there there's there's bitterness there's confusion there's hurt there's unmet desire god would you meet them this morning and let them know that you are with them and that there is great, lasting, ultimate fulfillment and contentment available in your Son, Jesus Christ. And would we see that not as a burden, God, but as a gift that you have given to be able to give undivided attention to serving your purposes and your mission in the world. We love you. Thank you for Jesus. We pray all this in his name. Amen. Thank you all. You're dismissed.